excited to hear what God has uh, for him to, to speak on today. And um, one of the things you guys might not know about Dan is that he loves gadgets. <laughs> he's, a, he's a gadget guy. And so at uh, Together for the Gospel, I saw him playing with his new droid phone, and I was kind of envious of it because I have an old one. So he was showing me all the new features, but... It's a lot of fun to get to know Dan and to just to uh, hear him preach last time, and I'm looking forward to today. He actually leads a, a care group down at Crossway, and he's finishing up his year internship after the Pastors College, right? So you just last year you graduated Pastors College. This year you're finishing that up. So, so if you can give Dan a warm welcome. <laughs> Morning. morning. All right. Let's see here. Well, it is great to to be here with you guys. Uh, it's been a been a while since I visited. I think I think almost a year, uh, maybe a little more. I'm not sure. Um, but I we have we have missed you down there. Um, we love love seeing when you guys. When, when a few of you visit down there, we love uh, hanging out with you, and um, we love coming up to, to visit. So it's great to have a, a sister church that's, that's fairly close, an uh, hour and a half, not too bad. Uh, so I'd love to come up more often, too. Uh, maybe someday we'll, we'll, we'll have, have more frequency with uh, sharing uh, like this. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's turn to our Bibles, um, to Psalm 62. And as you're turning, um, I'll just give, give a, an introduction here. The, the summertime, I think it's a great, great time for, for vacation, um, and, and many people look to, to vacations uh, to be a refuge. It's a place where you can, where you can rest, or at least those of you that, that don't have little kids like, like we do. <laughs> vacations aren't much of a rest for us, but they're good. We, we enjoy them. They're lots of fun, uh, great times. Uh, but rest, not not quite. <laughs> um, but but in this psalm, we're going to see how God is our refuge, and He's a fortress. And a fortress, fortress is a place where where people seek safety. And that's it's a it's a place of refuge as well. You remember in the Lord of the Rings, of the two towers, Helm's Deep was this gigantic fortress that was built into the side of a mountain. It was a, a side of a, a rock cliff. And, uh, and a massive army from the evil Saruman was approaching. And so all the people that were around uh, this, this city, uh, this fortress, they, they sought shelter uh, inside. And so when the great walls uh, were attacked, it provided safety uh, from those who were attacking. And the, the sheer rock was impenetrable, impenetrable to all but the largest boulders that were flung from these giant catapults. And, and without the fortress, the people of Rohan, the people around that city, uh, would, have, would have just fallen. They wouldn't have been able to, to withstand that attack. And the, and the people of all of Middle-earth would have been doomed as well. But, but because they had this fortress, this place of refuge, they were able to fend off attackers until more help had arrived. And God is like that. God is a refuge and a fortress for us, a place that we can go to for shelter. But he needs no help 
uh, and being our defense. His walls are, are truly impenetrable. So let's, let's read in this, in this psalm how David speaks about God being our, our refuge and our fortress. Psalm 62. To the choir master, according to Jeduthun, a psalm of David. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will, you, will all of you attack a man and to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. Trust in Him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are delusion. In the balances, they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken. Twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. So let's pray as we seek to understand this word. Lord, we thank you. Thank you that you have given your word to us, Lord. I pray that we would, we would look at, in detail at, at the psalm, at you as our refuge, Lord. Help us to understand what it means that you are our refuge and our fortress. Lord, let your spirit work in us this morning. Let it have an effect on us. I pray that you would help me in my weakness in, in, in preaching, Lord. Uh, I am not strong here, Lord, but you, you are strong through your words and through, the, through what you have ordained as preaching. To have your word go forth, to have your salvation speak to all of us, Lord, that it would affect us and change our lives, Lord. So we pray that you would do that, that you would do that through me this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, here in the psalm, David directs himself and directs us to look to God as our refuge. He directs us to, to wait in silence for the Lord, for salvation comes from God. The main point of this, this psalm is this. Rest in God alone, for he is our refuge and salvation. So I'll say that one more time. This is the main point of the, this psalm. Rest in God alone, for he is our refuge and salvation. David reminds himself of this repeatedly. Why, why does he do that? Because he's, it's so easily forgotten that God is our refuge. We so easily look 
to other things. It's our sinful tendency to look for other things to be our refuge or to simply forget that God is the one that's in control. God is the one that has provided for you and continues to provide. And so if, if God alone is our refuge and our salvation, our job, our job is to find rest in him. No matter the circumstance that we're faced with, we must find rest in God. And this is exactly what David is doing through the psalm. He's reminding himself through his despairing and troubling circumstances that, that he can hope in God and that he can rest in God. This brings me to my, my first point, that rest in God in despairing times. God is calling us to, to rest in God in despairing times. Now David rehearses and reminds himself to rest in God. This sounds, this sounds kind of passive, just kind of rest. You know, put your feet up on the couch, you know, oh, rest in God. You know, it's, it's cool, you know. But uh, it, it, it's, not a, it's not a passive thing. What, what David's doing here as an example, this is, this is an, an active thing. He's placing his hope in God, that God alone is his salvation is, and his refuge. And he needs to do this because he was in some serious trouble at the time. The commentators think that, that this psalm was written... When, when David's son, Absalom, usurped the throne from David. And the people of Israel abandoned their allegiance to David and they, they placed their allegiance to, to Absalom. And his character, David's character, was being maligned and discredited by those who were trying to take the kingdom from him. Now, David was well familiar with suffering and stress and, and troubling circumstances. Earlier in his life, as you know, he, he had also been pursued by King Saul, who had tried to kill him on numerous occasions. And he, he had to escape to the caves where he had no friends, no family. And death was creeping at his door. God was his only fortress. So here we find a similar circumstance. And this is why David says in, in verse 3, How long will you attack a man to batter him like a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. You see, yet even in these difficult circumstances, David resolves to find his trust and faith in God. Now, most of us, of course, don't have to deal with, with being physically attacked by people. Um, maybe, maybe some of you had, especially if you got on missions. Um, you might see that in, in other countries a little bit more. We don't have to be uh, struggle with being dethroned. You know, I, I'm not a king, so. <laughs> uh, but but we can identify with this with the psalm here. We can identify with people maligning our character. We can we can identify with with people speaking ill of us. There are people who who malign you, who who are mean to you, people that ma- that make your job difficult, people that lie about you, people that make fun of your faith. And then there, there are other difficult circumstances. Maybe you've, you've lost a job or you, you struggle with depression or, or despair. You feel hopeless in, in raising your children to be godly. Uh, you struggle financially. Or maybe you're a mother at home that, uh, that you're with the kids all day. You don't have time for yourself, barely any time for, for devotions with God uh, and no, really no, no time with, with other adults or very little time with other adults. Maybe you maybe just worry about how you appear as a parent when, when your kids are just being rebellious and they're, 
they're acting noisy, and they're, 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 they're just, you know, rebellious. These things can, these, all these kind of things can weigh on, on a person's soul. So there's, there's usually some form of attack that's going on against us. Uh, so where, where is your struggle? Where, where do you identify with, with David in this psalm? It may, it may not be uh, such, a, such a, a physical attack like David was dealing with, but what, what's maybe a more subtle attack? Maybe you're like me, that, that uh, you're not full of despair, but when my kids don't obey me, um, you know, I, I, I try to correct them, and, and then we, okay, we've got all that settled down, and, and then, okay, again, we're dealing with the same thing. They, they disobey in the same exact way. Okay, we'll, we'll correct them, and then, okay, we're all set. I think we, we got this settled. No, five minutes later, same thing. And so it, it's frustrating. Um, I, I can get angry. I can get angry at my kids. I can, uh, I can complain to God, God, why didn't you give me kids that were always obedient? Because <laughs> you know I was as a kid. No, <laughs> I was probably worse than my kids, so... Um, um, but God, God's given me great kids. I, 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 I'm not maligning them. It, this is this is my my complaint. Um, and so, so when all that you're doing as a as a parent, your kids just it doesn't seem to be working. You know, you don't see fruit. They're they're not changing. That can that can weigh on your soul. That can that can have an effect on you. That it uh, it may lead you to to, to despair or, or hopelessness. Uh, or, or simply just complaint that, that you want things to be different. Or maybe you, maybe you do struggle with uh, depression or, or despair. Uh, and that, that can happen. That can happen for Christians. And in fact, uh, a man that I greatly respect uh, once shared about a period in his life uh, where, where he was depressed. Uh, and he has shared this, this publicly, so this is, this is no secret. His name is Bob. Bob is a Christian and he was at the time of his depression. In fact, I think he was a pastor at the time of his depression. And for three years, every day, he would think about death. He, he got lots of advice. He knew what the Bible said, and he knew what the truth was. But there were, there were no quick fixes for him. Though there was, a, there was a conversation that he had that he did find particularly helpful. But it was still a while after that conversation that he got out of his depression. This, this, is, this is what happened. He, he told a friend of his that he just felt hopeless. And his wise friend, who was a pastor, replied to him, Bob, I don't think you're hopeless enough. If you are hopeless, you stop trusting in what you can do. Start trusting what Christ has already accomplished for you when he died for your sins and rose from the dead to reconcile you to God and assure you of a full and complete salvation what Bob took from from that was that he affirmed that he he was hopeless but that Christ died for hopeless people he repeated that truth to himself I am completely hopeless but Christ died for hopeless people and saying that once or ten times or a hundred times had no effect on Bob but he repeated this fact to himself more than a thousand times. And over time, there was a growing faith and a confidence in God. This is Bob Coughlin's testimony. 
Bob Coughlin, I don't know if you know him or not, but he has written countless songs that we sing here. And he is, he is the, the director of, of worship for Sovereign Grace Ministries, our, our parent organization. And, and if you want to hear more about his story, you can, you can download a sermon that he gave called The, the Depressed from covlife.org. And his, his testimony just re- it affects me because he was dealing with depression. And, um, and it's hard to get out of that state of thinking. It's circular thinking. And it's hard to get out of that. And that's why you must fight uh, to get out of that thinking. But this doesn't just apply to people that are depressed or in despair. You know, what, what, what kind of simp- you know, it's, we get into the circle of thinking when we complain, you know, when I complain about my kids. Uh, I want things to be differently. God, why can't, why can't this be different? Why can't this be easier? And so I need to remind myself that uh, I, I can't change my kids. I can't make things happen, but only God, only God by his salvation can change them. Only God can change me. And so we're, we're all hopeless when we're faced with, with the realities of a fallen world and realities of our fallen nature. When David, when David the psalmist is suffering and being attacked, where does he go? His fear is of, of being shaken, verse 2. And David's fear is that his kingdom would crumble and he would be killed. But he, but he turns to God. And he tells himself that it's God alone who is his refuge and God alone who will give him salvation. The salvation that David speaks about is deliverance. He's looking for God to take care of the situation. Sure, he wants things to change and that's a good thing. You can, you can desire things to change. He wants to be rescued from the despair. But he reminds himself that God is a fortress for him. And God is a, is a fortress even greater than Helm's Deep in the Lord of the Rings. And when we despair, when we're depressed, when we complain about our circumstances, we're misplacing our hope. We're placing our hope in this world. But God holds out his grace to you now. And in the midst of your doubt, in your despair, your depression, your stress, in the midst of your complaining, He is your refuge, your fortress, the one you can always turn to in tough times. Now, in in the past week or two, have you struggled with with thoughts of despair or or found yourself worrying? Have you you been complaining? Now, what's behind that? I I think there's a lie that we're, we're tempted to believe in. This lie says that God isn't good. The lie says that God isn't powerful enough and he doesn't take care, he doesn't care enough about you to help you in your circumstances. This lie says that God doesn't control your future. This lie says that God is distant and he's uncaring. This lie says that you deserve better than you're getting. You deserve better than what God's given you. Now, are, are you listening to these lies? I think this is our, this is our sinful tendency is to listen to these lies. Now these, law, these lies rob you of joy and hope and trust in God. Now let me submit this to you. Is God using your despair or your depression or your worry or your complaint uh, to, to show you, to reveal to you that you're, you're not trusting in God as, as, as much as you, you might think you are? I, I know that 
that is the case for me. I, I always think I'm trusting in God more than I really am. So this, this can work. At, uh, this can look just a few different ways, and and you know, observe this. So where where do you fit in here? So sometimes these lies um, can can be in the forefront of your mind. This this question about whether God is truly good to you, whether He's He truly loves you, whether He can really help you. And this this weighs on you. Maybe you're maybe you're afraid to tell your your Christian friends about this. Maybe you're you know afraid to tell other people about this. But I would encourage you to tell tell your care group leader, tell tell your Christian friends, tell your pastor, tell Paul about it. Uh, tell tell me about it if you, if you can't tell anybody else. Um, because this this is what a church community is about. We are a family, and we we help each other. We help. Uh, Fight the lies that that our sinful tendency tends to believe, and we we want to do what Bob Coffin did, which is to fight these lies with truth over and over. You got to, that, that's why preaching is is important. I'm not t- telling you anything new that you haven't heard before. You, usually, most most people have heard all I'm going to say, but we the word goes out over and over. That's why you can read the same passage in the Bible over and over. And it has new effect on you because the Holy Spirit works that way. He reminds us because we're so apt to forget and so easily uh, forget what God is doing. So another way, another way that, that this can look is, is very subtle. So you're not, despair, not despairing, but, but you just worry or complain. Uh, this is where I fit in. In comparison to others, um, maybe you're doing pretty good. There's no life crisis, um, you know, you're certainly not despairing, um, but but are you fully trusting in God? Are you resting in His goodness and His grace and His power? See, when we complain or we worry, we're we're attempting to find our rest in something other than God. And you can be sure that that you're not the only one. I, I do this. I complain and I worry. And when we do this, we're not finding true rest. We're we're trusting in something other than God. Verse ten says, "Put no trust in extortion." Not, Set no vain hope in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. So if you're struggling financially and your riches increase, does that solve your, your worry or, or, or complaint? Well, if you just ask the richest people in, in the world, they, they, they usually say that they don't have great lives. So you know, if riches increase, that doesn't change your heart. What, what we need is, is for God to change our heart. We cannot put our faith in worldly things. We can't put our faith in ourselves or even in, in other people, but solely in God alone. And complaint and worry are the result of a lack of trust in God, a lack of trust that what God is doing in your life is good. What is true is that God always does the best thing for you, even when it's a trial. For he knows that it will produce good in you. If you have trusted in God for salvation, he has promised this to you, that everything that, that happens in your life is for your good, to help shape you and to, to, to sanctify you. You see, faith, faith feeds on the promises of God. It's our fortress and our refuge. Faith feeds on the promise that what, what God has for us is good, even when it appears to be bad. It appears that this is a trial, and, and these are trials. And these, these in and of themselves are, are 
are a result of, of the fall. They're a result of evil in the world. And we have to struggle and, and, and uh, things aren't, aren't always happy. They're, they're not always you know, good. But God has promised to use those evil things, to use those trials to help us. And a third way this can look uh, is vain hope. This is the kind of attitude that, that trusts in yourself as the one who does, the one who knows how things should be done. And, and, and this, this is pride. And, and I'm also guilty of this one as well. This one ignores what God has said in his word in order to indulge in what you want to do. This is the vain hope that says, go ahead, get angry at the kids. Uh, they deserve it. <laughs> it says, go ahead, take a look at that, at that woman that's not your wife. It says, do what you want to do because it makes you feel good. God's forgiving, so, so just go ahead and do it. And these, these are lies. This is pride. And this is, this is a turning away from what God has said in, in his word. So where do you fit in there? Uh, you, you may fit in with a little bit of, of each of the categories, or just one or two. But keep that in your, in your mind. Where do you fit in? Where are you functionally placing your hope? Do you find rest in yourself or in God? Remember, rest in God alone, for he is our refuge and our salvation. So given who God is and who we are, let us find our hope in him and rest in him as our fortress. So this brings me to my last point, which is rest in God, for he is our one true hope. Rest in God, for he is our one true hope. You see, finding rest in God, takes, it takes work. This, this, is, this is a strange thing. It's not a passive thing. It takes patience, and it takes active pursuit. This is why David says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. You don't just stumble into resting on God. You must have it clear in your mind who is truly the Savior. And what he has done for you. You must trust that the events of your life are not a coincidence or, or just a function of your, your past uh, or, or just a function of, of random events. But everything has been arranged by God and they are for your good if you have trusted in Christ. Or in, in order to, to rest in God as our one true hope, you must have it clear in your mind that, the, that, that your only acceptance before God is based on Christ's work on the cross and the forgiveness that you have received from him, not what we have done that makes us acceptable. Now, if you, if you haven't experienced God's forgiveness, if you haven't trusted in Christ for salvation, the promise of blessing and eternal bliss in heaven, it's, it's awaiting. It's awaiting your faith, this morning even. Christ died on the cross to be a, a sacrifice for you, so will you receive that gift this morning? Will you place your, your trust fully on Christ? Because he has taken your sin. He has taken what you have deserved as punishment. And he died on the cross in your place. So will you trust in him for your salvation? That you can't, you can't appear before God as good unless you have Christ. He is the one that makes you appear before God uh, as, as good and holy. See, that, that wonderful relationship that you can have uh, with the creator of the universe, it can start right here and now when you accept by faith the promises that, that, 
that God has given in forgiveness that you can find in Christ's death. So will you trust him? You see, this, this was clear in David's mind. He didn't, know, he didn't know the name of Christ, but he clearly trusted in God for salvation and deliverance. He didn't trust in his own performance, but he asked God to forgive him as, as evidence in other psalms that he wrote. This is, this is why David can say in verse 1, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. And in verse 6, he says, He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. See, but notice that, God, that, that David, he repeats this a number of times in the, in the psalm. And I don't think this is just a function of, of the fact that the, the, the song was probably a, you know, a sung, uh, like, so like our choruses, we sing some words over and over. But I think this is also a function of, of him reminding himself over and over. He's rehearsing to himself that God is my refuge. So in light of difficult circumstances, of course David was tempted to be worried, tempted to think that God was not in control, but he didn't allow the lies to say that God is not good. These lies that say that God is not in control. He didn't allow them to just overwhelm him. But he tells his soul, listen to how many times. He says, says to his soul, wait for God alone. From God comes salvation. God is my rock. God is my salvation. God is my fortress. God is my hope. God is my refuge. Power belongs to God. And so I will not be shaken. So let's, let's remember what God has done for his people uh, in, in Israel. God had time and time again shown the Israelites that, that he was the one that rescued him, them from the land of Egypt, from the oppression of the Pharaoh. And yet the people of Israel, they right afterwards set up idols of other gods and they engaged in, in deplorable behavior. The story of Israel is a story of a rebellious people and a faithful patient and unchanging God. God have, could have, have given his people what they deserved, which was to wipe them off of the face of the planet. And yet God patiently forgave them over and over and over. You see, God promises that he's our, our refuge. He's our, our fortress and our salvation because he's a patient and faithful God. See, one, one common thing that we have that goes in our, our mind when faced with difficult circumstances or with despair or complaint is this lie that says, you don't deserve this. You tell yourself that you deserve much better, that you shouldn't be treated like this, or, uh, or your kids should be different, or their circumstances should be better, that your life should be, should be much better than it is. You shouldn't have to deal with this kind of stuff. And you know what? That, that's a lie. If you think about what you deserve, what you and I deserve, when you, you'll be filled with joy at what God has given you. See, see God set out a standard of, of holiness, which, which we refused and we, we rebelled against. What we deserve from God is for him to destroy us from off the face of the planet. We don't deserve uh, to, to take another breath. What we deserve is not goodness in our life, but we deserve punishment. Because we have sinned against a holy God. But you know what we get? God doesn't give us destruction and punishment. God gave us his very own son. 
I don't know about you, but if I was faced with, with somebody that was rebelling against me, if my kids were rebelling against me, uh, and or if, if actually if if people were rebelling against me, they weren't even my kids, and and I'm supposed to sacrifice my good and perfect son uh, to to redeem them. <laughs> I, I'm glad I'm not God because I don't think I would have chosen that. And so look look at what God has done. When you catch yourself saying that you don't deserve these difficult circumstances, remember what you have truly deserved. Remember what the reality is. That God has given you grace and love when you deserved His judgment and His wrath. If you truly believe this, it should brighten your day. It won't change your circumstances, but it will change the way that you view them. It will change the way that you view God in your circumstances. So if God has been faithful to you in salvation, how can he not be faithful to to you in these small circumstances? Salvation was the biggest problem that we ever had. And he took care of that with his own son. And so these other smaller circumstances, the need for a job, financial troubles, uh, your your kids are are disobeying, your kids are wayward even, you're struggling with depression or, or despair, God can take care of those. And he, he will in his time. And we can trust him. We can trust him that what he is doing is good. And he, he, he cares for us. See, in, in times of despair, times of trial, if you trust in, in Christ, you can enjoy the benefits of knowing that God will never take his wrath upon you. Because Christ has taken the wrath of God, the punishments for sin, once and for all on the cross. So here is where we can find refuge. Our confidence is in Christ. So we know that everything that happens to us, God will use to bring about good. And we know that that God will use these trials to produce good in us. That is what he's promised. So the solution to despair and to worry and all of the problems to life is not to work harder to fix those things. Surely it does take our responsibility. But our, our job is to not fix things on our own. But our job is, to, is dependence on Christ. And Christ alone. So we pray to God, God, change my circumstances. Surely we, we want him to change the, the bad and the evil that we see in our lives. And we certainly we want him to change your depression, your, your, your despair. You don't want to always be in, in depression or despair. And it, it, that, that may be a, a lifelong struggle for you. But God has promised to, to heal you of that, whether in this life or the next life. If you have trusted in him, he will take care of it. He has promised that. So let me ask the, the band to return as I uh, wrap this up in application. So I have... I have one application this morning. That's this question. How can you put off complaint, worry, or despair and put on faith? What's a practical thing you can do that? How can you put off complaint, worry, or despair and put on faith? So let me suggest just a couple things. And and choose choose one out of of these to, to really focus on. So may I suggest reminding yourself of what God has done for you, how he has been faithful to you 
And even in your worst state, how he has saved you, even though you were rebellious against him, even though you were unworthy, even though I was unworthy, God saved me. So not, not doing this, not telling yourself of this once or twice or a hundred times, but a thousand times. Our, our Christian life is one of looking to the Bible to remind ourselves of the truth that God is our salvation, our refuge. Now maybe you already do this. Maybe you, maybe you rehearse the gospel to yourself every day. Maybe you, you tell yourself uh, of God's salvation. And that's great. I, I go through periods where, yeah, I'm faithful to remind myself every day of that and other periods where not so faithful. But God is still, still good. So maybe there's, maybe there's a specific scripture that you could memorize to apply directly to, to this temptation. I may suggest even in Psalm 62, verse 7, On God rest my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. So you can write them down on, on an inner card keep them with you or uh, if you're like me I'm a gadget guy and so I have this, this program called Evernote and I keep all my, my scriptures on there or whatever works for you whatever is right in front of your face that you can see daily to remind yourself that God is our refuge and, and bring other people in, into your world if, if nobody knows that you're depressed or that, that you're despairing you've you got to tell somebody you've got you to reach out for help because if you're in depression or, or in despair, it's a, it's a circle that, that you're going to have a hard time getting out of. So you need, you need God's people to help you with that. So this is a, this is a rich psalm uh, that shows a man in desperation waiting for patience, waiting in patience for God, a man who's hopeless but for God alone. This is how we should be. We should be hopeless but for God alone. This is what we should do. Rehearse the gospel. Remind ourselves again and again that rest is in God and Him alone. So let me pray as we, we can express our faith in singing, express our faith to God. Lord, thank you for the psalm. Thank you that David was one that was familiar with suffering, familiar with despair. And we thank you that you are our refuge, that you have promised good in our lives, that you have promised that you are our salvation, even when we turn away from you, even when we don't deserve it, Lord, and yet you have been faithful to us, Lord. We pray that you would would help us. I pray that you would help the people of this congregation, Lord, that you would help them to remind themselves of how good you are, and to do that daily remind to to put off lies that say that they don't deserve what you've given them that they they don't deserve this life that they deserve better lord help them to remember help me to remember what i truly deserve and to remember that i i'm getting much better than i deserve because your 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 love for me is totally undeserved i pray this in jesus name